Hey, hey, it's Jeff Jarvis here at the CUNY Graduate School of Journalism in the heart of the world, center of the universe, Times Square, New York, New York. And it's another episode in our occasional series. We're trying to be less uh, occasional and more regular. Dot uh, NYC with an episode of Startup Stories. So I'm really, really honestly jazzed. When I say I'm jazzed, otherwise I'm not jazzed. But today I'm really jazzed that we have the founders of Jewelbots, uh, Sarah Chips and uh, Brooke Moreland. And uh, this is a great startup they'll tell you all about in a second, but, but what it does is try to go after the holy cause of bringing girls into technology. Uh, so I'll just leave it there, and why don't you guys just take it on and, and tell us what Jewelbots does first. Yeah, yeah, sure. Okay. <laughs> um, so Jewelbots are friendship bracelets, but they are updated friendship bracelets, so we can send messages to each other over Bluetooth. So if you see right now, our bracelets light up because we're in proximity together, and if I want to send Sarah a message, I can hit my bracelet four taps, and then she'll receive four vibrations on her bracelet. Oh, so it vibrates. Yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. so nobody, it's, that's why it's a secret message. Exactly. Like, ah. we know what we're saying. No one even else knows that we're communicating right now. <laughs> yeah. She actually did this to me during a meeting yesterday. It was pretty hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so your larger goal, though, is to get girls into technology and programming. Explain how, how this connects to that notion. Yeah, so the um, devices are completely open source. So um, if you use a micro USB, you can plug it into your computer and program it um, just like an Arduino, if you are familiar with Arduino. Mm -hmm. Um, And you can program it to do anything you can do with a Bluetooth device and four LEDs, a microprocessor, and a motor. Ah, okay. So it could, could, what are some examples of what I could do with it? Uh, My favorite example is a girl in Seattle who worked on a program, her um, three minutes between class periods is her most valuable time. (laughs) So this is like peak socializing time, but she also has the task of getting her books and going to her next class. So she doesn't have time, they're not allowed to have phones. She doesn't have time to like look at a watch for time. So she programmed her jewel bot to slowly change color over those three minute periods. So she knew how much time she had to spend with her friends and get her books. That's cool. Yeah. (laughs) And so this is open source, so she has shared that yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we have uh, an online forum where girls can upload the code they've written and copy and improve it and things like that. What do they use to write? What, what, how difficult is, is writing code for it? So they use C++. Wow. I know. Wow. And we were afraid in the beginning that it would be too hard for them. Um, so we hosted several hackathons to kind of test the environment and see if, how they did, and they fared really well. So they've been, they've been killing it. Yeah, you know, I, I've, I, I think one always makes a mistake when, when we uh, underestimate the people we're working yeah. with. And here, when we started the school 10 years ago, uh, I thought the students, it would be too hard to use heavy-duty uh, video stuff. So I just used the basic uh, Mac stuff. And they got mad at me and said, you know, it was like kitty time. Yeah. <laughs> so C++, that's, so, so once they start working with C++, do they kind of realize, oh, crap, I can do all this other stuff, too? I can take over the world? Yeah, hopefully. That's the idea. <laughs> we built we built a library to make it easy for them, so it's like LED.on, and then you pass in a color right. or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, they've been uh, really taking the programming concepts really quickly, so that's been exciting. And so the formatting looks like programming? Yeah. yeah. So, oh, it's so definitely they're, programming. So they're not scared of that. I mean, even, even for non-programmers, just to look at it is... Because it's foreign. It's funny. You know, I feel like with the younger audience, I mean, I felt like I was scared when I started looking at what we were doing. Like, oh, there's no way kids are going to get that. But kids just take to things really quickly. When we were explaining how to pair the devices and how to message, you know, we we said it one time and Kurt's kind of 
just get it in a way that adults don't. I think they're just grown up with the fluency a little bit more. So, so let's talk about the company and you. Yeah. Uh, what did you each do before uh, this, this company? Uh, so before this, I was CTO of a company called Flatiron School, which mm-hmm. is an adult education program downtown. Um, also, I started a nonprofit in 2010 uh, with a friend called Girl Develop It. So, I would be remiss if I didn't also uh, plug one of our entrepreneurial students' graduates here, Otto Bernier, started Skill Crush, yeah, which is also amazing. a company to, to, to mainly teach women. There was always a debate, by the way, whether to position, position it as teaching women coding or just teaching coding, and because and, 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 was that sexist or was that welcome in a bro in a bro culture world? I mean, speaking, I was actually a student of some of Sarah's classes in, in the nonprofit, and I really liked kind of just being in a class with women. I felt mm-hmm. personally that I could ask questions and be, a, you know, risk looking dumb and not having people talk over me. I, I you know, I, I really see the, um, you know, the all-female environment it can be beneficial when you're learning something. Do you think, be careful how it says, mm-hmm. well, in, 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 in a male-dominated teaching environment, mm-hmm. do guys try to learn, do they learn differently? Do they teach differently? There, I think there's research behind this, right? If you look at even just uh, younger students, uh, putting them in gendered environments, uh, girls tend to fare a lot better than they do in yeah. co-ed environments. I think, um, and I think that might have to do with how we socialize them. There's like so many things that I don't think it's innate. I think it's often um, just giving them an environment where they feel like they can express themselves is important. And especially in the bro world of, of, of technology, mm-hmm. it's an issue. We'll come back to that. Brooke, what did you do before? Um, before this, I had another startup uh, called Fascism, which is a photo sharing app around fashion. So people would post what they're wearing, what they're thinking about buying, and have a conversation about it with people all over the world. I remember it fondly. Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so how did you two meet and come together with this idea? Yeah, uh, one of uh, my investors at that company introduced me to Sarah and said, she's great, hire her, you have to hire her. <laughs> so we tried. Sarah came and did some work for us. We didn't end up hiring her full time, but we worked together. And then we kind of just, you know, it was really nice. You know, we were building a product mainly for women to have a female technical person around being like understanding the product in a way that I think some of our male uh, developers didn't. Um, so then we kind of stayed in touch. And then Sarah started thinking about stuff around Jewelbots a few years ago. and we. Met and started talking, and I was like, "No, this is this is what we need to be doing." How did the idea come up mm-hmm. in the first place? Where, where did it come from? Um, it wasn't our idea. Well, our idea was we wanted to build for this age group, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. and we had lots of ideas of like what we could build for them, um, and they thought they, those ideas were dumb. We <laughs> <laughs> we went the one really fun thing about the age group we're building for is they'll tell you if something's stupid right away. Yeah. <laughs> they do not feel bad, and it's great. Uh, and so we just started asking them what would be fun for you, and over like as soon as we started talking about the friendship thing, like their faces would just light up like that is so cool and that's when we knew like this is something we need to build so let's let's go back for for a minute on the issue of women in technology is i mean that is your your secret agenda here right yeah um why is it so difficult at every single age group uh at cuny we have great programs trying to get women into uh computer science directly and it proves really difficult uh, so the argument is you have to get them younger, which I presume what you're doing. Mm-hmm. But even then, I'm sure you're finding it's difficult. Why? In this day and age, why is that still hard? I've, I've str- well, I've 
loosely held strong opinions about okay. this. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, but so one thing I found, so I was homeschooled until high school, so I wasn't socialized with other girls my age. When I f discovered programming, I fell in love with it. And there was never any question to me if it was an environment that was for me or not. You know, like, this is something that's cool. I'm going to do it. That's like how it, I, was something I always experienced. And if you, many of my, being a New Yorker, many of my friends were not socialized in the U.S. They grew up in other countries and then they came here. Um, and often I talk to them and they say it's so strange how here in the U.S. maybe uh, many women don't think of math and science and technology as something that's for them. I think it's how we socialize these the girls in this demographic, which makes them say, that's not something that's for me. I'm not supposed to like this thing, so I'm not going to do it. What do you think, Brooke? Yeah, no, I definitely agree with that. And no, you know, we hear this from women and young girls. No one wants to be the only girl in the class. So uh, I think one of the girls we were talking to, you know, in the intro class, it was half girls, half boys. Everyone loved it. And then as soon as it became kind of a more dominated, male-dominated space, they kept left, you know, lost interest and felt like that it wasn't for them. So is it because boys are jerks? Yeah. yeah. No, I don't, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, I, you know, it's. I don't know. I don't know I don't, why that is. It, you know, there's there's definitely bad eggs everywhere. Mm -hmm. You know, and so there's definitely bad eggs in the technology field. And I know many people have had bad experiences. I've also had great mentors since the beginning of my career. Male mentors that have been really like, okay, we we found one. We've got to help her. <laughs> we've got to help her grow. You know, right. unicorn. Um, yeah, yeah. So I think that, um, and I, I think it's all. No matter who you are, you know how you identify or you know what when you're the only one like you in a room that's uncomfortable yeah uh, and people can be perfectly nice but you still feel like there's a microscope on you all the time mm -hmm. so i think that makes it hard we, we we talk a lot we're as we're cuny we talk a lot about diversity and all of its mm -hmm. uh, all of its definitions and, and it is difficult and after this election i've been worried about the ideological diversity that we don't have you know i'm a liberal among liberals and 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 I'd like to have more conservatives, but I, then I thought about what it's what it would be like to be the one conservative in a liberal bastion. It would be very difficult. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I don't understand that. So uh, all right, so so you came up with the idea. Uh, your your future customers told you about it. How did you go about that that research of of taking a product to kids before you had the product? Like prototypes, yeah. um, really ugly prototypes. Yeah, prototypes, and we asked. We just spent a lot of time with them, asking questions like, you know, what kind, do you wear wearables? Do you wear jewelry? What kind of apps do you like? How do you consume technology? Are you allowed to have a phone? You know, do you allowed to have a computer? Are you allowed on Snapchat? And you know, just kind of spending time with the ages, kind of eight to fourteen, which is so much changes in that group. Even from you know one year to the next, we went back to the same group and they had kind of all changed. Really? But yeah, yeah, like they all had phones. They were all on all the social media and they were the year before they hadn't. But that's why it's such an interesting uh, time because that's where they're really forming their uh, interests and opinions. And that's why I think we think it's such a crucial time to kind of get in get in there. So um, stay on this for, for another yeah. minute because I, I think one of the things that we try to teach here in entrepreneurial journalism is listening to your market. And it's mm -hmm. one of the hardest things to get across mm -hmm. is don't come with your presumptions, don't come with what you already think and know somebody wants. We started a new degree in social journalism, which is all about listening to the community. Same difference, mm -hmm. same thing. Mm -hmm. um, as an entrepreneur, talk for a minute about the skills of, of, of listening and, 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 and the right way to do that. Yeah, no, that's hugely important because we're creating something not for us. You know, we haven't been teenage girls for a while and we didn't grow up with this technology. Um, <laughs> so it really has all been about listening. Like Sarah said, the original idea was totally different. Uh, so, 
Yeah, and we have to keep listening. That's the thing. Yeah. You know, it's easy to generalize after you talk to hundreds of people, but you, I think we always have to be have our ear out to how things are changing. I think we're lucky that we also have a really fun demographic. I mean, right. like they're the best. Yeah. I mean, like you get in a room with like a, like a ton of eleven year old girls, and they are like so. It's like contagious. I would it's say. really they are about everything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's really um, what have you learned from what they've made uh, from from being open source and having the community out there? What surprises have you had from that kind of listening once the product is out? That's a really good. The things that we think are interesting are not so interesting to them. Okay. Like I really like the idea of uh, you know like of being notified when I have a new email or a new. They like to be notified about the Instagram likes, though. That's something we all share. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we all kind of need that little serotonin. First. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's true. But like, I feel like that would be the main focus for me, yeah. and the main focus for them is more around friendship mm-hmm. and like, how could I make this change for a particular friend and things like that. Those relationships are so important to them. So it's when they get in proximity of yeah. each other, when they can send each other messages. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How else does it bond the friendship? Well, also signaling to other people that like, you know, ours are both blue, so we're a unit, we're tied, and that's something as adults right. probably is not as important or at, at all. Or we're, but we're to, secretive about it. Exactly, yeah. exactly. But the girls like showing off like hey we're in you know we're in a squad this is our group it's it's important to them how many how many can be tied together <clears throat> 16 i think at a time 16 yeah oh, yeah that's good we haven't we that's a tough thing to test so we <laughs> in theory yeah. 16 mm-hmm. <laughs> um so you bought how much does the unit cost 69 69 mm-hmm. bucks so it's not cheap mm-hmm. um yeah. It's like the same price as a video game. That's right. how we look at right. it. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. And you're you're with it all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cheaper than a lot of other wearables you'll find on the market right now. So, but, they're, but it's interesting. They're they're you for it to be useful. I mean, it's the old it's the old uh, uh, fax machine network problem, right. right? One is pretty much worthless. Not worthless, but not it's it, it, it's, it's not exponentially fun. more fun. Oh, yeah. As the network grows, so you've got to convince your friends exactly to get the same thing. Yeah, yeah. So we you know we sell them in bundles and bestie packs and encourage people to get your friend to buy one as soon as you buy one. We'll give you a right. discount for them because we really it's you know it's a good way to grow the community obviously, but it does make it so much more fun. The more it people is. that have it. Buy it like this. This guy has the same chipset as the Apple Watch, so. It, this is like an Apple Watch. It can do anything an Apple Watch can do, but without a screen. Right. Mm-hmm. But like, how fun is your Apple Watch? <laughs> it's right. not, not as fun with that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right. My my uh, Android watch died. Oh. And so I haven't. For the first time in my life, I haven't worn a watch, and it's very strange. And I've got to figure out how to go back. To, Are you going to go back to normal watch? Or? I don't know. I haven't decided yet. Hmm. I'm yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Walk around here. Um, uh, use it, I could have used it during the election for fellow Hillary, Hillary voters. Yeah. I'm blue. Uh, um, so, so I saw on your site that you're now available in Target. Mm-hmm. Um, tell me about, um, and, and you were a Kickstarter project. Yeah. So tell me about that string of marketing from the very earliest days of an idea to being in, in retail. So start, start with, with the Kickstarter and before. Yeah, uh, Kickstarter. Um, Kickstarter is really fun. We really enjoy doing that because we, the audience, really wants to know the whole process and what you are and behind the scenes and if you're just working on it. So on our Kickstarter page, we showed like initial sketches and like this is a really big, ugly, clunky prototype we have. Uh, so that was really fun, helping us build like a base audience who was kind of we knew was rooting for us and really interested in the idea. And then in the year and a half between the Kickstarter and getting the product out, that's when we had to do, you know more testing, then the, dealing with the logistics of actually getting the product made, and that was the toughest time. So what were your numbers on the Kickstarter campaign? Uh, we sold uh, 5,000 units, I believe. 
Uh, we raised one hundred and eighty thousand. And your goal was mm-hmm. what? Thirty thousand. Thirty thousand. Yeah. Now was that? Be honest. Mm-hmm. Was that engineered that you knew thirty thousand is easy? And, I knew. Uh, I thought that was attainable because we don't want to not hit it because then you don't get funding, right? right so I thought right. thirty thousand. If we get fifty, awesome. If we get a hundred, it'll be killer. So we passed thirty in the first day, and I was like, okay, this is cool. That's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> neat. Um, up to the Kickstarter uh, was was is what I see now pretty much what it looked like. No, it's going to have a lot of different iterations before the Kickstarter and after. And after, okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so and there'll be more in the future, too. It's a you know, work in progress. How much do the aesthetics of the look matter? Because the technology is the hard part to figure all that out. But once you've got that, it's still, this is about aesthetics, too. It really yeah. is. And it's always a trade-off, right? So at first we were optimizing because we wanted a really long battery. But then we had a big old clunky yeah. wearable that no one wants on their on their wrist. Um, but then you can't make it too small because it needs to work. Right. Uh, so it's constant. I I, lo- I love it because it's ours, but this is definitely like another situation where user feedback, like uh, I did not want the flower. Mm-hmm. What we learned from them is like lots of different things, including the fact that like precious metals don't really mean much to them. Um, this like this kind of look, like the plastic, something that is like something that's washable is very important. Mm-hmm. Uh, but more than anything, uh, we had them vote on the charm design and they overwhelmingly pick the flower. <laughs> so they voted? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Ah. Yeah, we had about uh, a few dozen sketches that we sent them, uh, and they voted. And the next one's a robot, though. The next one's a robot. Really? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I was like, come on, you're giving me a flower. I've got to go I've got to go tell your parents that I like made you a thing with the flowers. Yeah. Code. Like, <laughs> come on, guys. Like, work with me here. <laughs> I, but I, I do like that notion of collaboration. There was a company, have you ever heard of Local Motors? They do crowd-designed cars, which sounds absurd. It sounds like the the Homer Simpson yeah, mobile, right? right? <laughs> but but they set up a structure to do this so that that you have input from people right. and people, your customers will make uh, design and economic choices with you That's so if cool. you give them the chance, right? Uh, and you can listen in new ways. All right, so so you 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 win the Kickstarter, mm-hmm. hallelujah. What are the steps that it then took? Uh, I mean, Mark Andreessen says software is going to take over the world. And here you are in hardware, a hard business. Uh, what all did it take from then on? A lot. A lot. One thing, so we had a working prototype at the time, um, and we were we we were going to go to market with it. This is something that we uh, designed using uh, working with a firm on the West Coast. And when we started user testing it after the um, Kickstarter, what we observed was our risks are smallish risks, mm-hmm. but if you're a nine or eight year old, your risk is a really tiny risk. So while it was only a little bigger than a quarter, um, it was too big for their small risk. It would hang over the sides. And we were like, oh no. Um, so we so we did another iteration and we got here. But hardware is really difficult. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're battling the laws of physics all the time. <laughs> yeah, because then you're also building software as well. So you yeah, have yeah. that. It's not either or. It's like and. It's like yeah. all of the software plus getting it, you know, manufacturing and shipping and tariffs and just things like that you never think about in software. So how does that – it's a great age for startups where you don't have to build a factory. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can use everybody else. You can use outside design, outside marketing, outside manufacturing, outside distribution. Mm-hmm. Uh, but who who helps you through all of those relationships? That's a great question. So we went. We did a uh, hardware accelerator called Highway One mm-hmm. on the West Coast, um, and they are associated with a company called PCH, um, and they had a lot of people on their team work with us because it was uh, my first foray into hardware, and so they have 
full-time you know mechanical engineers electrical engineers different people on staff who can help you both with the prototyping process as well as the bringing it to market um, which was super helpful and we couldn't have done it without them mm-hmm. where do you manufacture in China, China right mm-hmm. I, I guess I have to ask these days do you have fear about a Trump tariff <laughs> I, guess so. I don't know if the tariff is our biggest fear. It's like no. on no. our like, list. Yeah, of fears. among the list of Trump fears, professionally and personally, that's definitely on there. That's one yeah. for you, yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. absolutely. Because yeah. what would it cost to manufacture that in the U.S.? Three times the amount. Three times. Yeah. We've definitely traced it out here first. Really? Yeah, yeah to mm-hmm. see. And we thought about doing even the first batch out here, but it was just cost prohibitive. It's just not possible. We could, but they'd be charged. We'd be charging hundreds of dollars, wow. and that's not what people want to pay for a kid's product. All that labor. Yeah. Is it just la- yeah. labor costs? That's it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Jeez. Wow. Is there a tariff now on something that you... Not specifically for this. Not specifically. Right. Uh, but, but you had to, you had to mm-hmm. navigate all of that. Yeah, and we shipped to 35 countries and, you know, there's like... Oh. oh, you do? Oh, yeah. Oh, right. Okay, so not just here because anybody could come out and buy it. 35 yeah. countries you shipped to. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Where, where besides the United States is a hot market for you? Um... Europe and Canada and mm-hmm. Australia. Okay, mm-hmm. right, right. Um, all right, so you, so you go through the process of, of, of finding the manufacturer, getting the design done, getting all that crap done, uh, then comes shipping day, right? How, how long did that process take? How long did you think it was going to take? <laughs> we like blocked this out. <laughs> um, no, I mean shipping day was about three weeks ago. So oh yeah. oh oh. Yeah. So this part is the fun. Because oh, I've been reading about this, this this company for some oh, yeah, time. Been working on it for wow, it's really two now. and a half three years. Mazel yeah, tov. Thank you so much. <laughs> thank you so much. Yeah. So the ideation and the going back to the drawing board and testing all that's been about oh. three years. Oh wow. In the making. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so you're yeah. shipping now. And then we started shipping in mid-November. So have you shipped November. all of your all of your backers? Yes. So you're caught up. Yeah. We're caught up. Some are probably still in transit to other countries, but yes, they're all out our door. Wow. Yeah. Okay, so so now <laughs> I can order at your site. Yeah, and then get it. And the URL yeah. is? Mm-hmm. Jewelbots. Jewelbot, like a robot.com. Okay. Jewelbot. And uh, so so Target, too. Mm-hmm. And then Target.com just search for Jewelbots. And you so Target.com, is it also available in the stores? Or? Not yet. Not yet. Potentially next year. So what did it take to get into a, into the Target? For yeah. God's sake, Target, Jesus. You know. No, no, Target was a great uh, get for us. We got introduced to them um, about a year and a half ago, and it was always kind of been on our list. We think it's a great store and a good um, fit for our audience. Um, so we just kind of kept a dialogue, and then we were kind of getting close to shipping. They were like, sure, let's make it happen for holidays, and we kind of just got it done. Um, but they're excited. You know, they have a lot of STEM tools uh, and toys, mm-hmm. I mean, uh, on their site. So they're excited about Jewelbots. What other kinds of retail channels and, and, and marketing partners work for something like this? Yeah, the, yeah. there's a lot of cool potential here. So this little charm and band are interchangeable. So mm-hmm. these could be different, branded with all sorts of different things ah. and characters and teams and whatnot. So I think there's a lot of cool stuff. For, now that we're out in the market, what we can explore next year. What about educational Players, what kind? I presume you're getting some support from from STEM advocates. Definitely, and we have a lot of teachers and different coding um, schools. We have a lot of interest there. We need to figure out how we can make that work the best way. We've been doing like an educational discount for mm-hmm. like people that want to buy a whole bunch, mm-hmm. and we really want to do more hackathons. That's also yeah. on, on deck for next year. Ah, those are so those fun. fun. And now that you know. 
we don't need to be there now that there is this community in our devices so people can host their hackathons in different cities maybe do one day where everyone has one on the same hackathons day. with 12 year olds or yeah. 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 yeah yeah during the day yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> still pizza yeah <laughs> still pizza we had yeah, really fun to, it was called take your daughter to hack day where kids and parents came and like hacked Yay. together it was really cool. like I, it was fun right. we had face painters come and we had like all kinds of like cool like diy craft material that they could use and there's just like all these really stoked 10 year olds with like these awesome <laughs> painted faces like running around and coding and stuff wow um, any schools take it on you think as curriculum? Yeah. I think that's possible. I think we're trying to weigh the, like, I think we're trying to weigh, when you're that age, yeah, uh -huh. when you're that age and like an adult tells you to use something and something is cool, not you're cool. not into it. Not cool. So I think that we may, like, but it's so exciting that schools are into it, so I think we're gonna work with the schools to figure that yeah. out. Mm -hmm. I've got a great middle school computer instructor I'll tell you about. Oh, Steve, okay. Steve Isaacs in, 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 Bernard, uh, in Basket Ridge, New Jersey. Great. It's because of him that my son became a developer. Really? Yeah, he used to run a town um, uh, just computer center where some of the kids came in to play games, some of the kids came in to geek out. And uh, you know, a high school boy took my son under his wing with programming, and I thought he was learning it all wrong. I thought, you know, I, thought, I don't program beyond basic, basic, basic. And... Um, I thought you were supposed to chart everything out and plan everything and do all this. And, and no, it was, it was tear apart the toaster. Right. right. Take the things out of the software yeah. to see what makes it break. And that's, yeah. that's how we learned uh, to code. And this is, a, this is a guy and his wife who ran this, uh, mostly boys. Mm -hmm. uh, but in the school itself, in the middle school, you can just get great stuff going. That's so cool. uh, yeah, so I think if you can get the spirit of hacking yeah. through the school, yeah. uh, that this is, this is a little subversive. I like that. Uh, with the teacher, it would be fun. Um, so, so you're, you're three weeks shipping, hallelujah. What's next for this product? I think planning, we're planning events probably in February of next year. Mm -hmm. So I think that's a big thing. I think we're also gonna like, over the holiday break, take a big deep breath. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think we're looking forward to um, kind of getting the word out next year. Mm -hmm. What's next for the company then? Next to the company, keep you know we're going to keep going on the product, iterating, listen to the, how your users use it, and yeah. keep trying to improve it. We're releasing our new charms as well. Mm -hmm. um, the next charm's a robot, a little robot guy, mm -hmm. and then we're going to have some characters as well next year. So the charm just fits is interchangeable on top. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, really easy. They just come right off. Boop. And so the the are you they really like different like to personalize their stuff. So different color bands and like being able to switch these things out is really fun for them. Can I three D print the charm? Yeah, yeah. actually, yes. we're going to be releasing the, the th like the design of the robot charm before we release this one. So if you want to print it at home, you can. That's cool. Yeah, that's that's really neat. Yeah. Um, yeah, a friend of mine, uh, Bill Gross, has a uh, I think it's a two hundred dollar three hundred dollar three D printer now. Uh, which works beautifully that's so, that's uh, so great. for Idea Lab, and yeah, you can do so much now. Yeah. That's that also makes 3D printers real. Yeah. See, I have it because I'm because I'm geeky, but what the hell do I do with it? Right. Uh, now I can make charts. Yes, exactly. Yeah. I can go into business. <laughs> um, if so, so all right. So so properly, you're you're concentrating on this product as well. You should. But if you, if you thought about other products that you could make now, knowing where this market is, what would you? Where where, where would you see that going? What are the opportunities? That's a good question, and we talk about this all the time. And the answer always changes. Yeah, yeah, I think that there's something really different. So um, JoelBots is the only wearable that you can use that's both open source. First of all, there's no open source wearables out there. Mm -hmm. um, uh, second of all, that 
you communicate from device to device. Yes, uh, through Bluetooth, and, by the way, right? Yeah, through yeah. Bluetooth. And so I think that's really exciting. I think there's lots of things you can do with that. I think that um, there's many situations where we can't depend on a cell network, um, as well as the fact that uh, communication is, you know, they there's something in hardware called the turnaround test, which is if I um, leave home without it, will I turn around, like I'm all the way to the car, do I go back and get it? Um, and your phone always passes the turnaround test. You're not going to leave it. And it's because you use it to communicate. Also, you surf the web and right. things like that. But um, so I think there's all kinds of different neat stuff we can build around communication and wearables. Um, yeah. Oh, I, I like that. Uh, all right. So talk to me about, about doing a company in New York. Um, uh, why are you here first? Just because you're New Yorkers? Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, you know, there's a lot going on in Silicon Valley, of course. But yeah, we're New Yorkers. I love it here. Yeah. Um, yeah, we live here. And there's a lot of cool stuff. There's cool companies here, a lot of women-founded companies. And I think the network there is really strong. What are some of the other women-founded companies? Um, there's tons. The Muse, mm -hmm. uh, Loverly, uh, Little Lola, Bits, Lola, Lola um, The Skim. Mm -hmm. uh, Do you all get together? Yeah. Sometimes, yeah. Yeah. We all, um, you know, there's various, you know, for women entrepreneur events, like both formal and informal. And I think a lot of them that we've met have been really uh, helpful. Like everyone wants to see each other succeed. And I feel like I can call on any of those women and be like, I need an intro to this person or I need this and they'll answer a call. So, so we've talked about, about being a girl or a woman when it comes to technology. Talk about being a woman as an entrepreneur. Are there is 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 because I, I you know we know about the problems of bro culture in Silicon Valley. Mm -hmm. uh, we know how male dominated investing is. Mm. Um, <laughs> what, be honest, be blunt. I think in New like uh, I stayed out in San Francisco for about four months, so this is my anecdotal experience. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, but what I found is New York is so much friendlier to female founders. I had people just walking up to me. Like strangers and saying the str like the worst things and being like, oh my gosh, this is really true. You read these articles and like, like it, was just, it was just kind of ridiculous. Um, and but here in New York, I think people are really welcoming and no one, um, everyone's conscious of like, yeah, it probably stinks that there's not a lot of you. So I might be a little nicer to you than than I need to like. What, I, I don't want to pry, but what kinds of horrible things would people say? It would just be like, uh, like it would be like, oh, you're. <laughs> Gross. Every when you're making a hardware product in um, in and like you would just talk to me about hardware. Everyone wants to make it sexual for some reason, and it would just be oh awful. oh like, okay, I got it. All right, yeah. <laughs> and I'd be like, "Are you serious? Like, Jeez. just met you three minutes ago." <laughs> yeah. Um, so so after time in California, you weren't tempted to, to stay in Lotus Land. Mm, no, no, not neither. really. I mean, the weather's sometimes better. Weather, we say this yeah. on a very cold day. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, New York's got so much else going on, and everyone's not just talking about tech all the time, which is yeah. a little bit like it gets a little bit okay, annoying. Well, what yeah. excites us too is you're you're a living example of this. Is it's the intersection of technology in other areas, mm -hmm. the intersection of technology and fashion mm -hmm. and education, yeah. which mm -hmm. is you, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's that's I think what New York has to specialize in Absolutely. is bringing these 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 disparate groups together. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Uh, what do you need as a startup? Money. Money. So where yeah, where are you in fundraising? Um, I mean, I, I was, everyone needs money. Everyone needs and, money. And us, yeah. of course. Um, yeah, so uh, we raised uh, about a million dollars back. And then, you know, startups are always kind of raising because you can just do so much more. It's great that we're selling a product and we have money now. But, you know, we have big dreams. So we want to really kind of blow it out. Are you raising around? Yeah. Yeah. 
<laughs> so, so, invest- so is that a problem? I, a lot of the, the investors I like, uh, oh, I don't do hardware. Yeah, that's a thing. But honestly, we'd we always say we'd rather hear that in the beginning. Yeah, that's true. The, the <laughs> yeah. other thing I hear is I don't do media. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, and I think there are people that focus on hardware mm-hmm. and they have like the resources to help you. I think people that don't do hardware, I mean, like for good reason, they haven't ever they built like yeah. something in hardware. Or they haven't, and I mean, that's also probably pretty nice that they're not going to like get involved in a project that they don't know too much about. Right. Um, but yeah, yeah. I gotta ask one more question. Yeah. Have you applied for um, Shark Tank? <laughs> you know, <laughs> we've talked. <laughs> we've, yeah, we've talked to the Shark Tank folks. I figured um, you, you should be perfect for it. Yeah, and it's it would, maybe in the future. It's never been the right time for this reason or that reason. But um, I like. I'm a fan of the show. I watch it all the time. So that's kind of why I don't want to do it. <laughs> so I think it's like it's kind of horrifying. But I think it could be great. We might do it in the future. Yeah. So I, I actually show Shark Tanks to my entrepreneurial mm-hmm. students. Because it, it does get you into discipline of pitching. Mm-hmm. How much reality is there to Shark Tank in terms of, of, of if, if you're sitting out there in the world watching the show and don't know I what think, it's like yeah, to be an entrepreneur? There's a lot of real holistic parts to do it. It doesn't happen that quick. You know, you don't just yeah. go in for 20 minutes and then like, decision. I'm in. Yeah. You know, here's your evaluation. So that's like right. drawn out painfully over months and months. Um, but you know, kind of the skepticism, kind of not meanness, but just like you know. Impress me, you know, like that's your job to be on and impressive and have all your numbers and be ready for the trick questions right. and all of that. That's, I think, good prep. And I think that's I think actually, is, yeah. that's how it is, you know. What, what would they say to you? Oh, God. <laughs> what would the shark say to us? Yeah, what would they say? Oh, my goodness. That's such a good question. They'd ask about your sales. So you yeah. have provable sales, yeah. you have provable yeah. demand, mm-hmm. you're in a major retail mm-hmm. outlet. Mm-hmm. Mr. Wonderful would probably try to argue you should um, license it. Right, yeah. yeah. But you're not gonna license <laughs> it, you're gonna yeah. hold on? Is this your product, are you gonna hold on to it? Uh, we're gonna. We're not gonna license the technology, but we'll do licensing as far as like the. Okay, yeah. mm-hmm. all right, all right. <laughs> that would be my answer for Mr. Wonderful. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think you should do it. Because I, I, I think, you know, obviously the reason to do it is marketing. Mm-hmm. It'd be incredible yeah. exposure. Absolutely. I agree with you. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, okay. we'll keep an eye do out it. for us there. In okay. The <laughs> we'll do. Uh, all right. Um, uh, I'm, I'm really grateful you came in. I, I have been reading about the company from, from the early early Kickstarter days, and I'm delighted your success story. You're out there shipping. Oh, this you. is great. So Sarah Chips and, and Brooke Moreland from uh, JewelBots. Yes. And that's it for another episode of .NYC Startup Stories. We are still on a regular schedule. I'm traveling. We've got holidays. We've got all kinds of mishikas. But um, uh, I'm not Jewish, but I like to use uh, a little bit of Yiddish. It's a great language. And uh, so I, I'm not sure what I can tell you we have coming next. We'll figure it out when we do. Just watch the Twitter feeds, .NYC show. Uh, Jeff Jarvis, I'll, I'll plug it anytime I can. And uh, please let your friends know about .NYC. Look at our, our YouTube feed. Look at some of our earlier shows. The other show we tend to do is the friendly Shark Tank because we have no money. We have to be friendly. So uh, <laughs> keep, a, keep an eye out for that. And thanks very much. Hey.